Listeners, my next guest is a very important person because he is an eye surgeon who has identified issues with the spreading of Lyme. He is Gareth Higgins and he is attached to University Hospital Waterford. Good morning, Gareth, and thanks ever so much for joining us. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me. I got a tip off that you had identified problems with the spreading of Lyme and farmers are being uh, encouraged to spread an awful lot of Lyme under the new EU regulations uh, with regard to greenhouse gases. There is a problem. So what is the problem? Well, um, Lyme is an alkali. Mm-hmm. And um, we, in our, in our uh, uh, department, we would see a lot of chemical injuries, you know, acids, alkalize, household detergent, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Lyme is a particularly problematic one because Lyme is an alkali. Mm-hmm. And alkalis are worse, funnily enough, than acids because they penetrate the tissues quite deeply. They're kind of sticky or mm-hmm. they're particulate and therefore they're hard to get rid of. And I, I really, what I really noticed, I've had many, many blinding injuries over the last six months. And there seems to be just such a lack of awareness of the need for, you know, wearing goggles, wearing gloves when you're handling these sort of things. I, I said I'd just bring it to people's attention because I, I really felt there was a problem. Um, in fact, we looked at our numbers recently, just did a very quick scan over the last four weeks. And we've been averaging between two and five cases a week in the eye casualty at University Hospital Waterford with Lyme burns. That is a that is a big problem, and yeah. are most of them coming from we'd say uh, farmers or and agricultural contractors who are yep. the people who Nine, spread 90% the line? percent, I'd say, or more are coming from uh, farms. Farms, and 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 in fact, just sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you, but um, what I noticed, even speaking to people, you know, my brother-in-law is a farmer, and mm-hmm. he he heard me interviewed on um, in Waterford and, and said that he really had no awareness that uh, there was a danger to Lyme and it, it, it made me realise that there was a distinct lack of awareness. Um, if I may, I'm just going to go through... Do you mind if I go through how Lyme affects your eye? No, do, please, yeah. I think it's. it's sure. I think that's important, Gareth, yeah. Yeah, because people have this idea that it's a burn and, how oh, well, it'll recover. With, with Lyme, it's a particular problem and I'll just go into a bit of detail about the eye. Not too detailed, but... The window in the front of your eye, the circle that you see, that's called the cornea. And mm-hmm. it's clear for a couple of reasons. One, it's got these cells on the outside, the epithelium. And if you ever grazed your eye, that's what you scraped off. And then it heals back within about 24 hours. However, the cells that replenish the surface of your cornea are called limbal stem cells. And those cells are at the edge of your cornea. Now, if you get a burn that's bad enough and deep enough, you'll burn those as well as your... Your, your skin cells of the outside of the cornea and, and it won't heal and it will heal in a different way you'll maybe get the epithelium from the lining of the inside of the eyelids or the, or the eye called the conjunctiva and that's not going to be clear and you won't, that means permanent you know, detriment to your vision. The second problem with the alkali is that it penetrates very deeply into the cornea so deeply, in fact, it gets to the inside layer of the cornea, and that layer is called the endothelium. And the job of that layer is that it keeps the cornea dry, it keeps it clear, it keeps it thin, mm-hmm. by pumping fluid out all the time. And if you burn those, you end up with a permanently cloudy cornea. So right. there's two major, major problems. 
And the solution to the first one, when you burn the outside and you can't replenish, we very regularly use human placenta, uh, you know, f- mm-hmm. from the babies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, and we use layers of that that's commercially available to, to sew over the eye. And that's a, quite an expensive thing. And for I've done quite a number of corneal transplants over the last six months on people with Lyme injuries. There are other industries that Lyme is used in, and I think in particular with regard to the building industry, Lyme is very important. And there doesn't seem to be the same level of injuries in the building industry as um, there is in the I, farming industry? I, I think not as much. Yeah. Um, but certainly we do see, like the classic one is a plasterer who's yeah. plastering a ceiling or somewhere above his head and a drop of plaster comes into the eye. Um, and, and that's certainly something we do see from time to time. Now, one thing with the lime, I mentioned to you that it's very hard to eradicate because it's yeah. sticky and it can get under the lid. And, and the, really, one, one other thing that came to my awareness was one of my neighbours is a farmer and she said after she heard me speak on the radio, she said that she set up an irrigation station on her farm which I was delighted to hear. Yeah. Because what often happens, you get people coming in and they have done nothing at home and they come in and maybe they're two hours getting to the hospital, don't know, or they go somewhere else and then they come to the eye department and three hours and four hours have passed. Meanwhile, they've been burning the eye for those four hours. Whereas if they could have irrigated it right there at the scene, then they would have spared themselves a lot of the injury. Right, so... So it's very important to be set up for... you, You need to be set up with protection for your eyes, goggles, try and stop it happening, gloves so you don't like get the, the lime on your hand and then rub your eye and get the lime into it. Um, but also you need to have an irrigation station. And I was looking up some of this stuff and mm-hmm. it said that really an irrigation station should be within about 20 seconds of wherever you're using the lime. Right. So I doubt that most farmers would have the wherewithal to irrigate within that time frame. Yeah, but even if they could get to water of any description fast, absolutely, it, it would help, even if that's a water trough out in the field. Uh, the yeah, quick, it needs yeah. very vigorous irrigation. Yeah. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the pH to normalise. Right, I can, I can understand that. Look, when I was talking to you then before we went on air, you said that you also treat patients with uh, skin cancers around the eye. Yes, it's very common, um, and particularly in the farming communities. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the sunny southeast, and we seem to have a disproportionate amount of head and neck, you know, cancers. Mm-hmm. And the most common one would be a thing called basal cell carcinoma, or BCC for short. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next most common would be squamous cell carcinoma, or, or SCC for short. And those two, you know, they tend to be very common. Um, you know, with people are getting a lot of sunshine and so on. And I, I deal with that a lot because I, I would be reconstructing eyelids. You know, sometimes you might lose an eyelid in the process of getting rid of these tumours. But they're very much preventable because if you're wearing a hat, if you're wearing, you know, using sun protection, then, you know, you're not going to get these things. But in the, in, in the elderly community, really, there wouldn't be the same awareness. And second of all, it's historic sunlight exposure that causes it. So, you know, it's all very well doing it now, but when you were... 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 you probably weren't using sun protection to the same extent. Another type of cancer and maybe you don't uh, deal with it is and that's people's ears because again they're something that farmers don't protect. Absolutely you're very right, that's very true. Really the places that you get the skin cancers are, you're right, the exposed areas like the ear, the nose Uh, for me I deal with the cases in the upper nose, 
the lower eyelids will be more common than the upper eyelid because it's it's more exposed to the sunlight. In on the inner part, what we call medial, in toward the nose side, would be more common than getting it on the the outer corner of the eye. And we see an awful lot of cases in the temple as well, yeah. which are right about the ear. So we we tend to divvy them up between my, ourselves um, in ophthalmology. Uh, ENT would deal with a lot of the the, the ones around the ear and that mm-hmm. and a, a, one of our general surgeons deals with a lot of the other cases the, the other cases because you do see quite a few farmers particularly those who don't uh, wear headgear that they seem to get uh, a lot of cancers on their forehead more than maybe and uh, if they're going bald on top of their head as well Yes, that's very true. Yeah. And you, you don't even need to get the skin cancer to, yeah. to suffer. You know, uh, my colleagues in dermatology deal a lot with farmers and people who live out and work yeah. outdoors, and they would do, you know, they develop these what we call field changes in the skin. And it's not cancer, but what it is, is you get these things called actinic keratoses, and they're, you know, where the skin starts producing sort of flaking lesions and breaking down and that sort of thing. And it can get quite nasty even before you get skin cancer. Another thing that I would see commonly is the skin can get quite tight as a result of chronic sun damage. And what that causes, it can pull the eyelid downwards and we end up with what we call a cicatricial or or, or scarring-related ectropion, which is where the eyelid pulls away from the eye. And you see that a lot in farmers as well. That's another sunlight-related thing. So it's not all cancer, but obviously cancer would be the, the, the biggest part of our workload. Okay, before I let you go this morning, will you give me the tips for the persons who are dealing with Lyme and also tips for farmers who expose themselves too much to sunlight? Sure, um, taking the Lyme first. Well, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not rocket science, really. You need to be wearing gloves, I think, and probably you need long sleeves to protect your skin from the Lyme. And in particular, you need to be wearing goggles, I think. Right. Um, now, I, w- I would argue if you've got a lot of, you know, lime in the air, you mm. probably should be wearing a mask as well, an FFP2 mask to filter out that. I, I had one colleague say to me, he was actually a doctor, and said that he spreads lime on his land and he gets nosebleeds. And I was surprised he wasn't using protection himself, given his job. But it just shows you, you know, the lack of awareness, and that would be from damage to the mucous membrane. So I think goggles, uh, a mask, and gloves, that would be the, the basics. And taking your second question in terms of the, um, the sunlight, I mean, I think the best thing we could do with the fashion industry is start bringing hats back into fashion. I mean, in the old days, if you see speeches by Michael Collins or, mm-hmm. or Eamon de Valera back in the day, everyone, the whole crowd would have been wearing hats in those days. So I imagine that would have been very protective. But obviously the obvious things are sunblock every day, whether it's sunny or whether it's cloudy. Uh, because you're getting ultraviolet through the sun, through the clouds anyway. And I think a hat is essential if you're going to be working outdoors. Well, okay. And a broad-brimmed hat that will cover your ears. Rightio. Not a cap like I wear, so. Okay, but look, thank you ever so much for bringing this to our attention and also for joining us this morning and uh, sharing your thoughts and, in particular, your tips to make certain sure somebody doesn't get damaged their eyes or that they don't get some of these skin cancers that can be so uncomfortable. 
My, my pleasure. That listener was Dr. Gareth Higgins, who is an eye specialist with University Hospital Waterford.